So four different focuses, uh, the, those trapped in human trafficking, to those affected by disabilities, to foster children and foster families, as well as single parents. And we believe that God has really been calling us to these groups or individuals within even our own community who are forgotten, who are often neglected, who really do need the love of Jesus Christ and will respond to the love of Jesus Christ as we, as we bring that love to them. And in this past few weeks, we've been talking about being a community to reach a community, that we talk about connection, about love and forgiveness, and that, that every time when we leave this place, living hope, that we will be that much more able to bring this love of Jesus to others because we have experienced that love here among us, among the brothers and sisters. And we've been focusing on how our relationship with God and our relationship with one another is actually intertwined, is connected, that, that as we love others, that we will grow in our intimacy with God. And as we grow in our intimacy with God, that God will give us more spiritual power and strength. And with that more spiritual power and strength, we love one another greater, and it just keeps going. And so today we want to focus on the idea of acceptance in the community of Christ. You know, what does this actually mean? So I'd like you to turn with me to Romans chapter 14, verse 1. One. Romans chapter 14, verse 1. And in reverence for God's word, let's go ahead and let's stand. This is reading from God's word from the book of Romans. For as the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while a weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on a servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand." One person esteems one day better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day and observes it in honor to the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor to the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives unto himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. And so then, whether or not we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For this, to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and of the living. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, the main idea of this passage, there's a lot of stuff going on here, but the main idea of this passage actually is found in chapter 15 of Romans, and that is accept one another then as just as Christ has accepted you. This is a command by the Apostle Paul for the church together in Rome, that essential part, an essential part of being a community is... A, is, is is learning to be a community that accepts one another. And this will help us to reach a community for Jesus Christ. And um, so what does it mean then to accept one another in Jesus? I mean, we're living in a society right now that worships the idol of tolerance. Now, tolerance and acceptance are actually not the same things. Okay, so I looked up this, this new tolerance, and this is what's being taught in school and what's being promoted at work and things like that. New tolerance has basically three kind of uh, components to it. The first is there is no objective truth that can be known. That's already a problem. 
They're saying there's no, no objective truth. Everything that you want to believe is true. There's nothing that is outside of you that says this is true for all times and all people. Second thing, various people do not have the truth, but only what they believe to be the truth. Okay, this is, again, being taught in the schools. What this means is that there's no such thing as you have the truth or that person has the truth. Only that person believes they have the truth. This person believes they have the truth, and that's okay for them. Again, new tolerance. And the third thing is various people should not argue because there is no truth to be discovered. And to assume otherwise leads to needless conflicts and prejudice. Okay, this again is basically teaching, okay, don't argue about who's right and who's wrong, because basically there's no such thing as right and wrong. It's just a matter of whatever you want to believe. So if, if the world is like that, um, you know, the world says there's going to be no problems with this world. There'll be no conflict. There'll be no struggles and no arguments. But we know that that's not true. What has become of a world where um, everything is tolerated? In, 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 our, in our world today, every practice, every belief, every action, no matter how heinous, no matter how wicked or evil, has, has become relative, Okay, it's, it's not right or wrong. It's just what a person believes is okay or what another person believes is okay. In an ultra-tolerant world, evil has become a matter of perspective. It's only how you look at it. You may look at it and say it's evil, but another person may look at it and say, that's good, this is the right thing to do. Something even like murder of innocent children, the preaching of hatred based on race, has become a matter of just how you look at it. You know, it's okay for some people and okay for others. So in, every, in this world now, almost everything is tolerated. And what happens in our world right now? It's crazy. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of arguing. There's a lot of wars. Um, in fact, everything is tolerated in this, in this country except for the gospel, which is ironic. So as we approach this passage, we really want to talk about what does it mean to accept one another? Okay, now this is different again than tolerance. And we want to look at this at two, in two stages. First, we want to look at the theological aspects. What does acceptance actually mean in the Bible? What is the Bible teaching about acceptance? And the second thing we want to look at is the application, is practice. What are the specific ways that we can practice acceptance of one another in the church as well as when we go out into our community? This is the kind of how we live out the truths of God's word in everyday life. So the first thing we want to look at is what is acceptance? What's the difference between tolerance and acceptance? Verse 1 of chapter 14 says, As for the one who is weak, welcome him, Sorry. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. The word welcome here literally is the word to accept. Paul is saying accept him and do not quarrel over opinions. Now what is Paul talking about in this particular situation going on in Rome? He talks about people who are, there's like two camps in the Roman church. There's what he calls the weak believers and you know, implied the strong believers. Now, I do want to mention that this is not an evaluation of their actual faith. He's not saying they're weak in the faith or they're strong in the faith. He is designating one side as weak, and he says these are those who have a, a way of practicing their faith that is different 
than the majority of the people in the church. That's why he's calling them weak. He's not saying that they're less committed to God. And he's saying these Basically, these are ethnic Jewish Christians who have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, but they have a, and they have a personal conviction that they still want to observe the, uh, the Jewish rules regarding diet, uh, regarding celebrating some of the Jewish holidays, and they still kind of practice those things in the name of Jesus Christ. And the strong Christians, they are equally committed to Jesus. They're not more committed than the weak Christians. But because of God's sovereignty, they're Gentiles. They weren't born in a Jewish background. So this idea of diet and, and days of the uh, special religious days doesn't really make any difference to them. Every day is the same to them. And so basically, um, they have two different committed, loving believers who practice their beliefs in two different ways. And apparently, in the, in the church in Rome, it's causing some conflict. They're arguing with each other. They're, they're, they're judging each other. And what's interesting about what Paul does, if you look at this passage, Paul does not really say which group is right or wrong. He doesn't spend his time talking about, okay, let's talk about how Jesus has freed us from the law and things like that, which he could, but instead what he wants to do is he wants to talk about the issue of peace, of mutual edification, of how we as believers in the body of Christ treat one another and how we can disrupt the unity of the body of Christ based on different convictions that we might have. So in verse 1, uh, the English Standard Version, Paul says, do not quarrel over opinions. Okay, so we say, oh, opinions, that's interesting, because for us, we know opinions is just, oh, it's just whatever you think. New International Version calls it disputable matters. You know, don't argue over disputable matters. King James calls it doubtful disputations. And so we see why not too many people use King James. But, you know, King James... Doubtful disputations actually is pretty accurate. The word for uh, this is dialogismos, and it means basically this is an issue, and it's a Greek word. Like Greeks, you know, they have all the philosophy, the philosophers, they like to sit and talk about philosophy. Well, when they get into a dialogismos, what that means is they've gotten to an issue where they've talked and talked and reasoned and argued and debated, and after all of this talk and discussion, they still have two points of view. And they say, okay, this is basically what they call uh, an opinion or a disputable matter. And so this idea of disputable matters means that there is a possibility that two people who are very educated, very spiritual, and, and, and really want to serve the Lord, they can talk and you can even argue and, and debate about a particular issue and still actually come out with two different conclusions. And so what we want to look at here is opinions. When Paul talks about opinions, when he's speaking about these Romans and what's going on here, he's talking about, first of all, people who have convictions that come out of a desire to honor Jesus, that both groups, the weak and the strong, they both want to honor Jesus with all their hearts. Okay, that, that's already a given. They both want to honor Jesus. And the second thing is that these opinions are not a direct violation of Scripture, Meaning there's nothing in the Bible that actually says um, this is, you know, wrong or absolutely wrong. And so the general idea is that when these things happen, when we have these things occurring, uh, we are called to accept one another. Even when we fall in different camps, 
Now, what are some of those things that we're going to talk a lot about the specifics, but the idea is like, the example is like, you know, the way we dress or, or the things we do with our non-Christian friends or, you know, we may look at one person and say, oh man, I would never do that. And another Christian says, why not? You know, I don't see this as something that God condemns and things like that. Uh, and, and for example, in my day, when I was young, it used to be the big issue was Christian rock. You know, it's like, do you listen to Christian rock? And it's like, we used to have these things called records, okay? Record collections. And that means it's like a physical disc that actually had music on it. And, and basically, you could actually look at people's record collections. So that's like the first thing you would do when, you know, we were in our high school. You know, we go to each other, look at their record collections and say, oh, what records they listen to? And we look at, oh, Children of the Day, Amy Grant. Okay, that's okay, you know, because those are like more acceptable. Children of the Day, you can tell by the sound of it, it's like a hippie group. But I mean, they're like really kind of nice, soft, kind of soul type of harmony. And then there was the other side. You look at him and go, oh, what's, what's Harrison's? Uh, Larry Norman, DeGarmo Key. And those are like, this is like, this is not even like the rock that we listen to. This is just like country rock, okay? It's not anything big. But back then, it's like country Christian rock. Larry Norman had long hair, like down to here. And he was singing about Jesus. He was singing about the rapture and things like that. And he would play his electric guitar and, you know. And, and people look at that and go, oh my gosh, you're one of those, you listen to that devil Christian music, you know? And so there was always this split, you know, like, what kind of music do you listen to? What kind of music do you listen to? And we'd go into each other's rooms and check out their, their, uh, their album collection to find out what type of Christian they were. And so that was kind of like, there was like a division of, you know, judging each other. Oh, you're those like really kind of traditional, you know, people who listen to that. Oh, you're that kind of crazy, you know, person who listens to this type of music. And, and, and basically the th sad thing is that we're both Christians. We both love music. We both love the way in which these different artists express their, their worship of God in different ways. And so the question is, you know, how do we, now that's one of the issues that I dealt with, but I know that there are current issues with us, the different things that we may deal with, but they're just the same, they're just as urgent. And the question is, how do we accept one another when we have different convictions about the outworking of the spiritual life? When the things that we do and the things that we enjoy and the things, the ways that we honor God are, are a little bit different than, than, than each other, how do we treat one another? What is, what is Paul saying to us? He's not saying tolerate, because tolerate means, eh, whatever, we don't really care about anything. Tolerate means we don't think about anything. We just say, uh, whatever, there's no right or wrong, just whatever you want to do. You want to listen to, you know, whatever music, go ahead. You want to do this, you want to do that, I don't care because I'm just going to tolerate, be very tolerant. That's the world. Okay, that's not, that's not what God is asking us. God asks every follower of Jesus to think, to pray carefully about the truths of God's word and how it applies um, to our life. God calls us to have personal convictions that as we study God's word and as we wrestle with these issues, that we come to an understanding of how God wants us to live in light of his word and how we will honor him with the things that we do. And we are free also to share those convictions with each other. There's no problem in sharing those convictions or even trying to convince other people of our convictions why we, um, why we have these convictions. But acceptance... Acceptance is about how we treat others who may have come up with a different conclusion about how we apply or how they want to apply God's word. And Paul warns us that there are both 
unloving and unbiblical ways of responding to each other, as well as loving and Jesus ways of responding to each other. See, when the church lacks a spirit of acceptance, or when the church begins to throw out this idea of acceptance, it creates turmoil within the community of Christ. It can actually hinder things like discipleship, like loving confrontation, correction, and, and spiritual growth. And so we really need to understand what it means to accept one another. Now, what's the, the, the difficulty of this verse is that the word accept is very broad. If you try to do a word study on the word accept in the Greek, you would say, it, it's really hard to find out what it actually means from the word, but in the context, as you start looking at what Paul says is not acceptance, it gives us an idea of what acceptance really is. For example, in verse 1, again, it says, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, accept him, but do not quarrel over opinions. So the first thing we see is that to not accept somebody is to quarrel and fight. That when we are quarreling and fighting about things, that this somehow is not a reflection of acceptance. That there can be disagreement without fighting without showing this, this outward anger and frustration and hurtfulness towards each other, that that's uh, not acceptance. Verse 3 says, let the one who eats, let, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed, again, meaning accepted him. So again, here we see the words despise. Do not despise them. Despise has the idea of rejection. Like I reject them, and not just, it's a very strong word, not just I reject them, but I reject them with contempt. Meaning, man, this person is doing something wrong, and I just don't accept that person at all. I looked at, look at him as or her with contempt, like what, how can they do this? How can they be this way and be a follower of Jesus Christ? So that's looking down on people. That again is not acceptance. It's not a way in which the church of Jesus Christ should act towards each other. And then finally, the last descriptive is found in verse four. And it says, when you pass judgment on, he says, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. We see the final kind of element of acceptance is this idea of a lack of judging, that judging is not uh, accepting. Uh, Paul even, he spends a lot of time actually on this last issue. He actually, actually says, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? That's a really strong statement. It's, it's a rhetorical question. It's almost like saying, how can you, how can we Christians actually do this? And what is he saying? He's saying that the act of judgment is more than just pointing out something that's wrong. I mean, if you to go to a friend and say, hey, you know, I don't think that's really good behavior, that's not judging. Even if you say, you know, I don't think you should be doing that, that's not judging. But judging is about exerting the claim to be someone's master. Now, again, we don't say, oh, I'm going to be your master in this. You know, you have to follow me. But, but Paul is saying that sometimes the way in which we treat people, we treat them like they're our servant. Like, you really should obey me. Why don't you obey me? Why don't you do the things that I'm telling you to do? And if you don't, 
what's wrong with you? Uh, I accept you or I reject you or what kind of Christian are you? And this is, Paul is saying, hey, th this is not part of the church. And he says there's only one master, only one person that they really have to answer to, and that's Jesus. Verse 7 goes on to say, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Now, what he is saying here, he's saying no Christian should, should, should think of himself as God and saying, I am myself, and everybody should behave the way that I think they should. And he's saying, we are not God. Paul's saying we cannot dictate how other people should act before God. We cannot dictate to say, you shouldn't eat this meat, or yeah, you should eat this meat, or why are you observing Passover, uh, et cetera, et cetera. We are not the God who dictates and tells people, you should do this, you should do that. Why aren't you doing this? I'm not going to accept you if you don't do this. And verse 10 goes on to say, you know, why are you passing judgment? Why do you pass judgment on your brothers? Uh, why do you despise your brother? He's going to, all of us, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of God, of Jesus. These Roman Christians, what Paul is saying is that these Roman Christians, they had, um, instead of acceptance, they had judgmental attitudes. They were judging one another. And he's saying, as you judge one another, you're just basically going to bring judgment on yourself in the day of Christ. Therefore, let every believer be answerable to God, not to you, because God is the one who they answer to in terms of their, their conduct. Now, Paul actually goes on later, just so that you know, Paul goes on later to say that the strong brothers, the strong brothers uh, in this issue are actually more correct. But his admonition, what he's saying in this passage is it's gone beyond this question of who's more correct or who's less correct. It's got to a point where both sides, both the weak and the strong, are behaving badly. Both are fighting. Both are rejecting each other. Both are looking down on each other with contempt. Both are passing judgment on each other, and even a stronger word would be condemnation upon each other. And Paul says this behavior is unacceptable in the body of Christ. It doesn't matter whether you're more correct than the other person in regards to the spiritual life. We cannot treat one another in this way, that the issue is about really uh, acceptance, how we as a community can really accept one another in love despite all of the differences that we may have together. So this is basically the, the theological argument. And so theologically, what have, have we established from this section? I know this is kind of uh, heavy, but it's very important. Uh, first of all, that acceptance is different than tolerance. Okay? We still have the right to say, this is right, this is wrong, this is what God's word said, this is not what God's word said. These are convictions that we have, those are convictions that you have. We can interact about those convictions. And so acceptance does not mean that we throw all that out the window. We still have convictions, we still can feel strongly about those convictions, we still can share those convictions with one another and encourage each other. And, but yet, at the same time, uh, we may not always land in the same place. The second thing is acceptance is about how we treat each other. It's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's about how we treat each other. 
So when we say accept one another, we're not saying, you know, do whatever you want. We're saying how you treat each other is very, very important to God. Whether you are right or whether you are wrong, how you treat each other as brothers and sisters in Christ is very, very important to Jesus. And then finally, refrain from fighting condemnation and judgment. Just because we are right does not give us the right to fight, condemn, and judge. This is not acceptable for any person within the body of Christ. And these things tend to happen in the body of Christ because we have these different ideas and, and, and different issues. So this is theology, and this actually is pretty, if you want to say, you know, as far as, as uh, the Bible, this is actually the easy part because I think we can all basically accept that this is probably, you know, a good thing. Now, when it comes down to uh, the difficulty is the application. How do we live out these truths? And, and in what ways are we not living out these truths right now? And here's where it becomes kind of um, uncomfortable and difficult and convicting. Um, now what, basically, we're asking the question, what does it mean to, uh, to treat someone uh, with acceptance? Now, basically, uh, I kind of picked four common areas that we might have some difficulties in terms of judging, in terms of... Um, having difficulty with acceptance. And uh, hopefully that one or two of them does actually hit us, not because I'm glad we, we have problems, but because it's important that God's word does really speak to us in terms of how we can love each other better. So the first difference, or the first area is appearance. Okay, this is fairly basic. Uh, this is the most obvious one. If someone looks different, dresses different, um, do we treat them differently? You know, if they're a different race, do we treat them differently? If they're a different uh, background, do we treat them differently? Uh, maybe the way they, 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 they dress. Maybe the, the, the t they have tattoos on their arms. We have Christian come in, they have tattoos on their necks. Not just like a little cross in the back, but literally you know, across their arm, their chest, you know, things like that. Or they're playing basketball and lift up and go, oh my goodness, you have tattoos all over your torso too, you know, or whatever. Uh, or or they, have, they come in, they have earrings or nose piercings, lip piercings, things like that. Does that, that's an appearance, okay? That's an appearance. But if that person comes into the church or is already in this church as a believer in Jesus Christ and says, man, I love the Lord Jesus Christ and my tattoos show it, do we love them? Or do we treat them differently? Do we judge them, maybe even look down on them, saying, wow, how can you treat your body that way? I would never do something like that. Or what if the way they dress is inappropriate to our standards? How can they, wow. How can they dress like that in church? Oh, my gosh. Open-toed shoes <gasps> or whatever, you know? <laughs> or, or whatever they dress. Say, well, you know, this is how I always grew up dressing at church. How can they wear things like that? Or maybe their dress says something about their social status, says something about their personality. Oh, my gosh, look at that dress. She must love attention. Oh, you know. Things like that, or, oh my gosh, I know he's got money. Why does he dress like that? Man, what's wrong with him? You know, and things like that, those are, those are things where we begin to not accept people. And, and, and again, you know, we, we think of it like, eh, whatever. But, but in, in reality, how's the other person think? When they come in thinking, you know, this is the best thing I can wear, and people look at them and go, 
oh, you know. How do they feel about worshiping God and about the community of Jesus Christ? Uh, what about, you know, appearance in terms of uh, personal hygiene? And again, this is very personal. It's like, oh my gosh, did you take a bath today? What's wrong with this person? You know, or, oh, I can't stand the person. They always smell or, you know, they never do their hair or they never put on makeup or maybe they do put on makeup. And go, Oh my gosh, she puts on makeup to church? <gasps> How sinful. You know, all these things that people have different standards or understanding about what's proper to have... Um, What's proper in terms of, of worshiping God? And, and worshiping God does not say anything about, you know, whether you wear makeup. It uh, talks about whether you wear jewelry, but it's not saying you shouldn't wear jewelry. It's just saying you should adorn yourself with godliness first. Then you can put on your jewelry. That's fine. So, so here's the thing is even appearance, do we judge people according to appearance? Are there things about us that say, I really have struggle? And there's, it's okay to admit it and say, I have struggle in accepting people who look different than me. And, and God helped me to understand and love them in the body of Jesus Christ and not treat them any differently because of how they look, how they dress, how they smell, whatever you want to say about them. Uh, you know, the, the, the things that they carry, you know, like, oh, wow, they, they, they read that type of book or whatever. It's all appearance. The second area... Of, of acceptance is behavior. This is a big one. Behavior. You know, what if they behave in a way that we think is like, ah, so awkward. Wow, I don't want to hang around. They're so embarrassing. Or, wow, they're so rude. Or they're so obnoxious. Or, wow, they don't know how to behave in this type of situation. You, just, you don't do that, you know? You just walk up to somebody and say that, or they, they intrude on your personal space. You know, personal space is like, I don't know, like your personal space is supposed to be like two feet, and maybe they come from another country where you're supposed to talk to each other like this or whatever like that. When I went to Haiti, it's like, if you said hi to somebody and you didn't touch them, that was extremely offensive. And, you know, in a society where it's really dirty, lots of germs and things like that, and they would hug you, and you're like, you know, if you said, hey, how's it going? They'd be like, man, that guy hates me, you know? And they're like, what? You know, I said, no, you have to touch them. You can't say hi. If you say hi, it means you don't care about them. If you say, give them a hug and shake hands and, and kiss them or whatever, that means you really care about them, and that's very important to them. And we say, and they, you know, so we like, you know, what if somebody from Haiti comes to us, and they say, hey, how's it going? And they hug us and kiss us, and we're like, oh, my gosh, what kind of person is this? Oh, you know, and, and so there's a lot of different ways that people behave and we may judge according to behavior. Why are they behaving like this? Don't they know what's proper? Um, why is that person so loud and so rude? They must be so self-absorbed and so selfish. No, maybe not. Well, oh, they speak their mind. They're, they don't really care about how other people... No. How do you know they don't care about how other people feel? Maybe they just speak their mind. Oh, you know, they must love attention and the way they talk. They always talk about themselves and they never ask me about me. No, maybe not. And maybe even so, but that doesn't make them any less of a, a, a child of God than any one of us. So how do these things, uh, behavior, affect the way in which we treat each other? Can we still accept one another without judgment, without condemnation? without rejection. Worship style. If some people are very demonstrative in their faith and others are very reverent in their faith, can we, can we still agree that, 
hey, just worship. And I was talking about last week, you know, at the, the service that I went to, and they were like jumping up and down and dancing, and, 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 and even the front, the worship team, they were all lined up, and they, were, they had their hands up, and they were jumping like this, you know. They had not the guitarist and the drummer, but everybody was like just jumping like this for like an hour, you know, through the whole worship time. And it's like, you know, if you walk into a church like that and go, man, what kind of church is this? You know, they must be, oh, they must not be very biblical. No. Who, who says that that's not biblical? Who says that they don't love Jesus any more than we do? They come into our church and go, man, this church is so dead. They barely, when they raise their hand like this, you know, or they're like this, you know, pastors like this. Why? Is he embarrassed about God, you know? Is he afraid to share his feelings? No. That's just how we express our love our love for Jesus Christ. It's differences in the way that we have our convictions about how we express our love for God. And, 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 and there's no, and Jesus, and, and Paul is saying, hey, we don't judge each other for these things. We don't condemn each other. We don't come to improper conclusions and say, oh, you must be the weak, the weak Christian and I'm the strong Christian. No, it doesn't matter because we love God. And, and we honor his word. And we just happen to fall on different ways of expressing that love. You know, what if we look at people and say, oh, man, they do things. And again, I'm talking behavior here because behavior is a big thing. What if they do things that I don't feel comfortable doing? They're kind of against my, my convictions. I saw Facebook the other day, and I saw him holding a glass of wine with his friends. <gasps> oh my gosh, he must be a drunkard or she must be a lush or something like that. And I wouldn't hang around with a person like that. What's wrong with that Christian? Well, we don't know what, this, what the situation was. Maybe they were just having one, one drink in a social setting. Uh, maybe they're at a, you look at their Facebook or their Instagram. Oh my gosh, I know that place. That's a club. That's a bar. Like, whoa, wait, how do you know? Well, anyways, <laughs> but I mean, it's kind of like, well, how do you know what they were doing there? Oh, they must be doing something really bad. Why? How do you know? Maybe they're going out with a non-Christian friend to just hang out and have a good time and talk about Jesus. Maybe they drop by after, you know, having a really nice dinner together talking about Jesus. They drop by a club and just hang out and listen to the music or whatever. We don't know. And what if they go to clubs and, and they enjoy a bit of the music and they dance? And like, are we going to say, ooh, yeah, I, you know, I'll look down on you until you figure, figure this out. And then when you figure it out, you know, we'll be good Christian brothers and sisters again. No. It, it, it can't work that way. And yet we do it all the time. We, we do it all the time. And with, uh, this, with Facebook, Instagram, everything, we might not even post it. A friend might post it. Oh, my gosh, they posted me in a club, you know. That's my friend. It wasn't my post, you know. We, 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 we begin to know each other so much better in what we do, and, and, and this brings in the whole issue of are we going to continue to accept each other and love each other and encourage each other in the faith? And even if we share with people, hey, you know, I don't think it's a good idea to go to a club because of this, this, and this, and, and that person thinks about it and says, you know, that's true. Maybe I can do something else. That's great. That's fantastic. You've won over your brother or sister to Christ, and that's love. But if you go and say... I'm not going to talk to them because, man, that type of Christian, I, I don't want my kids hanging around with that type of Christian. Okay, that's not love. That's not acceptance. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about in this passage here.
Another issue, this is, this is painful, training up your kids. Boy, as parents, don't we get embarrassed about our kids sometimes? <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, how can my kid do that? You know what they're going to say about me when I go to church? It's not even, again, we're not posting these things. Our kids are posting them. We're like, oh my gosh, why did you do that? Why did you do that for? Now they're going to think I'm such a bad parent. I'm such a bad non-Christian parent. My kids do this, you know. My kids are like that. Maybe some of us, we give our kids more freedom and other people will say, oh my gosh, how can you give your kids so much freedom? Don't you know blah, 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 blah? Or maybe some parents are too strict. We look at them and say, wow, how can they be so strict? Their kids must be so oppressed and suppressed. No wonder they're that way, you know. What's that? That's judging. That's condemning. We don't know what the parent's like. We don't know if the parent, maybe the parent is trying really hard. And maybe this child is having a struggle somewhere that our child doesn't have a struggle with. Does that make that parent any less of a good parent than us? Maybe our child is really, really good and it just happened that God was so, we're just so thankful <laughs> that they're really, really good. It has nothing to do with whether I'm a good parent or not. God just happened to spare my child from a lot of misery and sorrow. My parents are not Christian. So, so the thing here is a lot of times in a church, we just have this capacity to struggle with acceptance. We struggle with acceptance. And it may not even be in our behavior, it's just in our minds and our thoughts and the way that we treat each other, but trust me, we can feel the way we feel about each other. We can feel it. We can feel when we're being judged or when we're being rejected or when, when we have to please someone else because of their conviction. And the third idea is, is values. Hey, this is, again, this is really, again, very personal, but it's important. Values is about the weight that we assign to different beliefs, okay? So it's, it's beliefs that we all share, but we may value them, give weight to different aspects of faith. For example, some people may say, well, I value people. I place great weight on people. Does Jesus say love people? Of course he does. Um, but you are so sensitive, you care so much about people that whenever somebody is insensitive in your mind, you're like, oh my gosh, how can they be a Christian and say something like that? Don't they realize how offensive and how hurtful that is? How can they be a person who loves Jesus Christ because they, they say things like that? Because why? Because we um, value people. Another person may value justice and say, you know what? It, yeah, people are great, and I love people, and that's what God calls us to do, but God also calls us to justice. He says, we got to do what's right. And we say, no matter, I don't care how a person feels about things, what they're doing is not right. we got to say something about it. we got to do something about it because it's not right. we got to take care of this right now. Somebody has to say something because justice is very important. Is justice important? Of course it is. Does God say justice is very important? Of course he says it's very, very important. And some people put a great weight on that aspect of God's will and praise God for them. Some people value efficiency. Is that a godly thing? Of course. 
stewardship, God's money, God's time, the energy of the body of Jesus Christ. How can you waste that by being so inefficient? How can you let meeting everybody sit and talk and talk and talk and don't start the meeting right away? You're wasting people's time. Uh, how can we be so efficient in the, inefficient in the way we're doing these things? We're wasting God's money. Do it correctly and, and, and don't let God's sacrifices and people's sacrifices go to waste. That's a terrible, terrible thing. Is, is stewardship a very important Important in the body of the for, in the Word of God. Yes, stewardship is very important in the Word of God, and if you value that, praise God, because that's very important. But you can see how all these things we would agree. You know, love is good. People, I mean, people are good. Justice is good. Stewardship is good. But you can see how these values can make us fall in different places when we look at how things are being done in the church, when we look at different people in the church and how they do things and what they think is important, how they treat one another, all these things deal with values. Last thing, and this is the most painful, and that's struggles. Different people struggle with different things. We all struggle with sin. We all have sin. We don't tolerate it. We don't tolerate it. We call it out if it's sin. But we must accept that all of us are struggling with sin. Now, if one of us here or some of us here don't have any sin, then yeah, it's okay for us to say, hey, you know, you guys got to shape up everything like that because I'm not struggling with sin. But all of us are struggling with sin. What does that mean about how we treat each other now? Others who are struggling with sin. Because see, our struggle may be hidden. It may be like pride or laziness, pornography, things people don't see. Oh, well, I'm fine. You know, I look fine when I go to church. And then other sins may be more evident. And everybody can see it. And they go, wow, that person, boy, what's wrong with them? Why are they coming to church? Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? Why are people accepting them when they have this clear sin in their lives? We have clear sin in our lives too. It's just people can't see it. And, and, and we need to treat each other with acceptance and love. And we, don't, we don't say, oh, well, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Don't struggle with it. No, we say you struggle with it. You struggle with it. I struggle with sin too. We both struggle together. But you're my brother and sister in Christ, and we love you, and we're going to do this together. I remember uh, when I was young, the big measurement of spirituality, and this may be the same today, is, you know, doing your devos. You know, did you, did you do your devos every day in the morning? Because that was the best time. That was the most spiritual time. And I really struggled because, first of all, I'm not a morning person. Secondly, I'm not a very disciplined person. And I struggled all the time doing my devos every morning. And for the longest time, I felt really, really bad because some of my friends were able to do their devos. We'd have to report into our discipler, and he'd say, how many did you do your devos? And I'm like, eh, I missed this day, I missed that day. And I felt really bad. I felt like, man, I must be a terrible Christian. Why? Because the one standard of spirituality that was given to all of us as high schoolers was if you did your devos every day. So if you did, you were a good Christian. If you didn't, you were a really bad Christian. If you did like a middle, you were a middle Christian. So <laughs> I was a middle Christian. Um, but then I realized later on, you know, I'm not sure if my friends really are that much more spiritual. I think they're just very disciplined in general. 
they're just morning people. So to do your devotions every day is actually easier for them than it is for me. But they struggle with kindness, patience. And those issues that I'm actually pretty good with. So why is it that we have to be measured by one, only one standard now? Can't we just say that, oh, you know, I'm struggling with my devotion time. You're doing well in your devotion time. Praise God. You know, but at least we're really struggling to please him. You may be struggling with patience. I may be doing okay with patience. Praise God, you know. We work together. I mean, you're really good at your devotions, but you tend to get upset, you know. I'm not good at my devotions, but I'm very patient with people. I have love of Christ, you know, being able to be patient with someone. Is that any different, or is there any uh, one better than the other? No, there's not really one better than the other, unless somebody says, okay, this is the one standard, and the only way you can do that is if you're sinless. Okay, if there's anybody who's sinless here, they could set the standard and say, this is the one standard. Um, God could have done that, but he, he set, when he set the standard, he gave us the word of God, and he said, these are all the things that I want you to do as a brother or sister in Christ. He didn't say, okay, here's number one, do your devotions every day. He didn't say that in his word. If that was the most important thing to him, he would have said that in his word, but he doesn't. Now, I'm not saying don't do your devotions, because we need to love the word of God. We need to be disciplined, and if we struggle with it, praise God, just struggle with it, but recognize that that's not the only standard. And we're not going to be judged by each other anyways. We're going to be judged by God. So here's the thing. The Bible just calls us to lovingly and humbly encourage each other. We do not condemn. We do not exclude. We do not judge people because we can conquer this sin and they can't conquer this sin. You know, pray for them. Because you have something that they probably need to pray for you about in regards to the spiritual life. We don't say that sinful behavior is okay, but we don't say that they have to answer to us in order to uh, be accepted and loved. Sometimes you say, well, they have to do this before I accept them or treat them like a brother in Christ or sister in Christ. That's, that's, that's wrong, okay? That's wrong. Um, we welcome them. We love them. And that's, that's an issue that was going on in the Roman church, and my guess is it goes on here too. And so Romans 14, 12 is just telling us that, that, that when we stand before Jesus, we're, we're going to give an account to God himself. Now, I do want to say that if you're here and you're feeling judged, you know, God loves you, and I'm so sorry because judgment is a terrible, terrible thing to endure, from a, especially from another brother or sister in Christ. And we living hope, we will try our best to grow and to honor God's word in this matter. But I also do want to give a warning that just because there's no judging, that does not mean that sinful behavior is okay. It does not mean that we have, you know, oh, it's kind of everyone else's fault. They judge me and they turned me this way, and they treated me this way, and that's why I'm doing these things. Um, the Bible's reminding us that ultimately we're going to give an account to God on our own. And when we stand before Jesus, we cannot say to him, well, the reason why I made these bad decisions is because people in the church judged me, and they made me feel bad, and they, they made me feel not accepted, and so I chose to do all these bad things. And Jesus will say, you don't give an account to them, you give an account to me about these bad decisions. And so 
as a church together, we're going to call to be accepted, but we're also going to call everyone to say, hey, we need to give an account to God. We need to fear God and his judgment. That this is not a license to say, I'm going to do whatever I want. You can't judge me. You can't say anything to me. No, we can say things because we love you and we want you to, when you stand before Jesus Christ, be able to stand before him with honor. That's, that's, that's really what this is. Uh, some other people may say, well, um, I can make a, yeah, it's hard. I can make a distinction. And some people say, well, I, um, I can treat non-Christians differently. I can give them some slack because they're non-Christian. But Christians, I hold them to a higher standard. I hold them to say they know Jesus and they know better. So I can treat them a little more harshly, but non-Christians, I'm going to give them some slack. So we say, well, I have a dichotomy, you know, so I can treat people differently. And I, I actually believe that that dichotomy is a fallacy, that I think we fool ourselves. I think that if we can't accept brothers and sisters in Christ and treat them with honor and goodness, we probably can't treat people outside the church with honor and goodness either. If we treat the brothers and sisters inside the church with judgment and criticism and pride, we're probably going to do the same thing with people outside the church as well. And so we need to really say, hey, um, we need to work on this issue of acceptance together. Because there's a world out there that really needs Jesus Christ, and they definitely are not going to be behaving and acting and looking the same way we do. So how are we going to reach them for Jesus? So as we learn to accept one another here, where we all love Jesus together, it will give us the ability to love others with the love of Jesus Christ, with the love that they need, with the love that they need to see that Jesus is real. So let's go ahead and let's, let's bow our heads. Let's spend some time in, in prayer before God right now. And I know this has been pretty heavy hitting, but... It's very important. Let's, let's spend some time saying, God, what are some areas where I really am having struggle with acceptance? What, what is that area that I haven't really been treating so-and-so in a very good way? And they might not even know it, but we know it. And we want to ask God to say, how can I God, can you give me the ability to love and accept them? Welcome them. As my brother and sister in Christ. Father, we praise you and thank you that you accepted us when we were still sinners. When we turned our back on you,